Say with me, fresh oil. I want your spirits to be opened for uh, a fresh anointing. There's a difference between new and fresh. Are you with me? Can you hear me in the back? The sound was very bad on my mic. I don't know, you know, uh, it was distorting when I was at the back during worship and so on. So I don't know what, what happened with the mic. Um, but as long, can everybody hear me in the back or not? Raise your hands if you can hear me. Okay. Uh, so let's not be backslidden if we're sitting in the back. You know, other people, people are comfortable because in the back they don't have to respond. But you're not responding for me. Uh, you're responding for the presence of God. Fresh oil to come on you. It is not about me. It is about whether heaven does that or not. Go with me to, go with me to Jeremiah chapter number 2 verse 13. And I'm just going to prepare us for uh, when we're going to begin to pray. I want to say this. There's a difference between new and fresh. A lot of churches want to change systems or do things to become relevant and to become new. And they miss the concept of fresh. They try to bring the presence of God in on something new. Or they try to carry His glory in or carry His presence in on something new. And they're missing out on being fresh. You can be 60 years old, 70 years old and carry an anointing or a presence of God that is fresh. And then somebody can be 20 years old and they can carry, they can come with something new and yet the anointing will choose the freshness and not the newness. Because many times when it comes to new, we want to cheapen the anointing. And God has removed, the Lord has removed certain church movements that wanted to bring in the anointing on a new court. Are you guys with me? And I don't have to mention the names or anything. Some of you might know. But yes, no devil closes a church. Let me say that. The devil cannot close the church. The Bible says the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church of the living God. So when a church falls or there's the demise of a leader, it is not Satan. I know that's difficult to believe. Are you guys with me? It is a person themselves and then God would shut a move. Because David made a mistake and he tried to carry in the presence of God on a new cart. While it was ordained and appointed to be carried on the shoulders of anointed priests who served in the temple for 30 years prepared for the anointing to carry the ark. David said, you know, if I'm going to carry this ark of the covenant, ark of the presence to Jerusalem and bring the presence of God back, oh, carrying it on shoulders of men is going to take so long. Let me do it quicker and let me do it my way. And he placed the, cart, uh, the, 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 the ark of God, the ark of the covenant 
on a new cart, pulled by ox, oxen, I believe, or donkeys, or horse, whatever it was that they used, but pulled by animals while it was supposed to be carried by anointed priests, anointed men. And because he violated the order to which the anointing can come into a place or is brought into a place. The Bible says that when the cart came to the threshing floor, it stumbled and the ark of the covenant fell over. And as it was stumbling and busy falling, a man by the name of Uzzah stretched out his hand and he touched the ark and he was instantly killed. Not because God killed him, but it carried too much power. You see, many people that are in the flesh want to touch His presence. And they get a whooping. They get a backlash and they don't know what is happening because they touch something that is holy while they were carnal. People think we standing up here is easy. People think anybody can just enter into the realm of the spirits and prophesy over someone. Try it. If there hasn't been preparation and a death to self, it'll be like somebody smacked you on the side of your head. Everything will fall apart. Because no flesh shall stand in the presence of God and glory. No flesh shall stand there. When Uzzah in his carnality touched the ark, God will not allow people even to, you see, and this is what a lot of church has been doing. They have people that are, that have not gone through the process, be in positions to deal with the anointing Yet, they haven't uh, been through the process. And then we wonder why things are not working out. If Uzzah died in the Old Testament, the Bible says how much more glory is there in the new covenant? If under the old covenant, which was the letter, Elijah called down fire from heaven, Enoch was translated. Uzzah was killed, touching the presence, touching the glory. Eli's eyes became dim and he died because, and God judged him because of his sons that messed around in the, because he allowed his sons to mess around in the temple. If the glory was strong in the Old Testament, that's strong, to the point where fire can come down from heaven, Moses can carry glory. Somebody can die by touching the presence. How much more glory, the Bible says, is in the new covenant of us who are of the Spirit and not of the letter. Sometimes it is God's grace for revival not to be there.
Because when the glory is poured out or when there's a move of the Spirit, and I'm speaking of a, a drastic revival, a move, it will require so much of a person. And God knows when people are not ready, their flesh won't make it. They will just short circuit. They will short circuit. Or they will be required of giving that they just will not be able to. They'll be required of giving of their time that they will not be able to. Because the flesh and carnality is still too much alive. What is flesh? It is anything that I want. It opposes the will of God. It opposes, the Bible says that, that the flesh is an enmity to the Spirit. It is a war of the Spirit. Everything flesh in me fights or resists the working of the Spirit in my life. It stops fresh oil from coming in. And it constantly wants to bring in religious methods to bring in the presence of God. Are you guys with me? I've preached in many churches. I'll be in a church that's a bit smaller and will preach in the glory and the presence of God is anywhere, everywhere. You just touch a person, the power of God hits them. And from there I go to a church of 2,000, dead. Nothing. And then you wonder, but I was just, is it now me? Because I was just at a place where God moved so intense. Then I get to another place that has everything right in the outside. I mean, the band is good. The building is massive. Yet God is not there. The people think God is there. Are you guys with me? The people think God is there. Because they have been trained to believe that hype is God. For the first five years of your spirit-filled, real spirit-filled life. I'm not speaking if you come out of AFM or uh, God bless them, you know. Um, whatever any other church, I'm speaking of when you come into, when you are encounter safe now. Now I'm speaking when you, your eyes has been, the, the sound is just, I'm battling with the sound. It sounds very echoing and boxy. Um, when you, when you really saved, spiritful, you're in a place or a church where the prophetic is, where the prophetic constantly keeps you in constant revelation. It will take you about three to five years of real commitment and training your senses to discern the difference between soulish and spiritual between hype and God. And then I preached in the churches and we move in the anointing and revelation where I would drop a revelation, for example, here and people will jump up and their spirits will feel it. I'll do that and they're like, they're just looking around. And then I will say something that's in the hype of their soul and then they all scream. And I'm thinking, but these people think that hype is God. The prophetic, you, you see, when the prophetic is void out of the church, and not because somebody calls themselves a prophet means the prophetic is there. When the prophetic anointing is not in the church, 
it bring it takes people having motions or going through the motions only but not touching God what is the motions they're doing everything right um, they are they can worship they can give they can clap hands when hands need to be clapped but the anointing comes in and they cannot feel it you can say that the glorious year is it just me or is it the sound not right what the heck is going on guys fix this now please I can talk like this because I pay them maybe you are all don't like me here or, the, or they can't hear the sound but please fix it now for me because I'm thinking the whole time what is going on and it sounds like this I don't know what's going on is it just me Huh? Just me. Okay. So, where was I now? Um, hype, emotion, something. They can clap their hands. They can give. And then the glory of God will come into a place. The weight of His glory. They can just sit. And they don't discern God. They cannot. They cannot feel Him. Because they... Like the Bible says, you worship me, your, 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 you worship me with your lips, but not with your heart. These are the people that worship me with their lips only, but their hearts are far from me, the scripture says. Going through the motions on the outside only, but there's no real connection. When the church loses the prophetic and the apostolic, very crucial anointings, it loses touch with God and religion sets in. Are you guys with me? And then when there's hype, people don't really know. When it's soulish, they don't know. And they go from encounter maybe to, you know, we, we went to some great churches. And I remember we were in a big church. And the churches must really stop taking these things personal online. Relax. You know, because you're out of it. Um, I visit 10 churches. And then the one would think I speak of them. I remember the one in South Africa thought I was speaking about them. I wasn't speaking about them. It was a while back. Um, but I was speaking one of one similar. <laughs> no, I'm joking, look. But we were in a church and it was so many people. Man, it was so many people. Worshipping. I think I was with, with Pastor Allen. Let's say 3,000 people or so. 4,000 people. And it's a void of God. It feels empty. I remember being in another big church also, and it's hype, it's great. It's like the top of the top praise and worship. The latest songs. And you raise your hands, but it's like, it's okay. But it's missing something. It's missing the glory. The glory is a fullness that will come upon you. It is the fullness of the Godhead. It is the fullness of God that comes upon a person. It's very, the sound is so bad. I don't know what's going on or are they fixing it or not because I'm just hearing, going like in a box like this. So I don't know what people can hear. Okay, I don't know why, what they're doing, why it is like this. It's supposed to be sharper. This is too much, too low. So, um, 
it would be so much hype. You're raising your hands and it's just, it's, you, you can worship and there's a corporate anointing, but it's missing glory. It is the glory of God that will bring fulfillment to you. Are you guys with me? And I can't unfortunately not preach with a sound like this, so I'll just be talking. It brings the, the glory of God will always bring a fulfillment. You will walk out of a place where the anointing and the fullness and the glory is really. And it will feel like it is weighty. And uh, you will walk out of a service and it feels like your spirit is full. Are you guys with me? Just help me while they're working on the sound. And guys, I always need gain on my sound. Please don't be sound men that don't want to lift gain. Please don't be like that. Um, it's getting a bit better. Thank you. Whoever had it EQ'd, uh, just fix the feedback or whatever low sounds that is. Is it you or is it? Is it? Uh, it's their frequencies. Um, so... Go with me to Jeremiah 2 verse 13. Let's get into it. Jeremiah 2 13. It's much better just drop the feedback or the echo on the stage, the feedback. Jeremiah 2 13. Much better, thank you. I don't know why, who messed with the sound. Listen to this. Just fix the feedback, please. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. Say with you, the fountain of living waters. And hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And has hewn for themselves cisterns that can hold broken cisterns that can hold no water. So he says this, my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, number one, the fountain of living water. And number two, they have built for themselves their own system. A system, which is a cistern, a broken system that can hold no water. And I'll explain now how, what it is. So Jesus is saying, I am the fountain of their living, of living waters where fresh water comes out of. And my people have rejected me and they went and built for themselves. They dug a hole in the ground. The system is this. They would put a pot type clay structure. Sometimes it's above the ground, sometimes under the ground, but it is a clay structure that is under the ground and it forms like a, like a, what would you call it? Like a reservoir that would hold water. But these clay reservoirs would break and the water would leak out. And he says, this is what my people have done. They have forsaken a fountain in the ground where fresh water would come out, continually springing up. And they have left that to build their own system. And I'm using the word system right now to carry water, yet it cannot even hold the water, the presence. And so the church has done it. 
where they have manufactured a new system, yet the presence is missing. And then there are churches that moves in so much hype and you have, be, have to be so sensitive as a believer to discern between what is hype and what is real or what is soulish and what is spiritual. Because as we are going towards the end, you're not getting to, you're not gonna see two churches, one that is evil and one that is good. You're gonna see one that is nearly good and one that is God, or one that is nearly God and one that is God. One that is soulish and one that is spiritual. And for you to discern the difference between soulish and spiritual, you need the Word of God delivered to you by a revelatory way with a prophetic perception. Are you guys with me? Hey, the sound is like me. Just keep, it was great and it sounds like a change now, but please. Uh, so, so listen. So if we two evils, they created a system to carry the presence, to hold the presence. And God is saying it is an evil. David's guys carrying the, or putting the ark on a new covenant, on a new cart. That cart topples over at the threshing floor, at the place of testing. Each believer has a place which is the testing ground in their lives. If the presence or things in their lives has been manufactured, their lives will topple. But if it is real and you go through testing, you don't topple. Are you guys with me? And when people topple, like the cart that carried the Ark of the Covenant toppled to fall over. When people topple and they have a fleshly reaction in that moment, it is that where things go wrong. When you touch the threshing floor, God is saying, I don't require flesh at that moment. I require a spiritual response so that you can go through. But David put the ark on a, a cart that toppled and Uzzah in his flesh tried to stop the ark from falling and God killed him. And people would have taken that person on thinking, why is God killing him? Touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. Is nothing of God killing people. It is people getting close to too much power. Whose system is not wired for power. Or people that speak against the anointing. Which means that their system is not wired to carry the anointing. Because all they do is they speak against it. And they speak against men of God. And they speak against prophets. Constantly, every day, and their lives would be filled with poverty. Hidden sins, secret sins, chaos, never getting any breakthrough, year after year, but all they do, they open their mouths against prophets and the anointed of God. While the scripture says, touch, not my anointed. Why is God saying that? Because Uzzah 
touched the anointing and he was wired in a wrong way and he died on the spot. God didn't kill him and if we touch the anointed, God wouldn't kill us. The anointing can kill us. The power can be too much if my life is not right. But you see, a lot of people are very stupid because they will go through so much pain and they will still keep speaking and they will not realize they are going through what they are going through because of what they've done because God has blinded them by their pride. Sometimes, I don't know how to say this, when judgment has already been sealed in heaven, in the courtroom of heaven, it doesn't matter what a person does. They will trap themselves by their mouth. Nebuchadnezzar did. Nebuchadnezzar receives a vision. And uh, I'm just going by faith because of the sound. Um, Nebuchadnezzar received a vision. You see, I couldn't preach now. I just trained my voice while I tried to lift it. Nobody is jumping because the sound cannot get through. So there's no throw. So just for people thinking, why is Leon bothering us on the sound? Five minutes, my voice will be gone if the sound isn't right. If you've ever preached before. Sound needs throw. It needs gain. It needs power. Nebuchadnezzar had a vision And this vision said, basically showed that he would be an animal, ending up like an animal in the wilderness. Just not too much, guys. Just relax with the sound, please, David. Just relax because you guys can hear there's so much echo here. Um, then Daniel comes and interprets the vision for Nebuchadnezzar, telling him, you'll be like a wild animal. I think it was three years or seven years, seven years maybe. And uh, telling Nebuchadnezzar, you will be cut off from the people. You will become like a wild animal. Eat of the grass, grow long hair. All these things will be like a wild beast. The dew of heaven will come on you. The rain in the morning, you'll wake up with dew on you. Everyone will reject you. Nebuchadnezzar knows this. Yet, he throws a party. And he says these words. Can you guys hear me in the back? He says these words. He says, look at how great my kingdom is. Look at how great my majesty is. And the Bible says the moment he said it, a voice fell from heaven. Imagine, imagine you're in a party and a voice falls from heaven. Not speaking one word, that voice spoke a whole passage there. That everybody in a party can hear it. That's what happens when a voice falls from, falls from heaven. But the moment the voice fell from heaven was when Nebuchadnezzar said, Look at how great my majesty is. He knew the judgment of God that was on him. 
Yet his mouth, he could not stop his mouth from entrapping him. Because heaven needed his mouth to entrap him. Because unless heaven and earth agrees on a thing, it cannot be accomplished. Heaven and earth needs to be touching on a matter before it can be accomplished. Are you guys with me? That's why when Abram looked at the stars, his God says, as you look at the stars, I will multiply you. As you look upon the, sea, the sand of the sea, like that, I will multiply you. When Abram looked at the stars and looked at the sand, it touched on what heaven said. And the multiplication happened. <laughs> there are three that bears witness. The Spirit, the Word, and the water. The three in heaven that bears witness. The blood, the Spirit, and the Word. So there's a witness in heaven and there's a witness on earth. For a thing to come into agreement. And Nebuchadnezzar's heaven's council was waiting. Because the watchers, by the decree of the watchers, it was already said what will happen to Nebuchadnezzar. But they were waiting for his mouth to trap himself. And the moment his mouth uttered those words, a voice fell from heaven and judgment came. That's why the Lord says, when Balthazar, Balthazar, was it Balthazar? I think so, that uh, through Balthazar, uh, that through a party, was it Balthazar? That through a party, um, we said yes, that's the only person that's a scholar. Um, it's just David, the others are like, what is Balthazar? Go read your Bibles. We have a brilliant book that's coming out. A 500 page book on that will take you through the whole Old Testament in 28 days of only a whole, not even a whole, about a half an hour reading a day and that'll come out in January. Balshazar threw a party and he didn't invite Daniel and then the finger of God came in, wrote on the wall and said, many, many tekel upasim Meaning, you have been weighed in the balances and judgment has been made. Because he dared to invite everybody except a prophet. The Bible says he invited everybody that had some type of status. Yet the prophet was left out. The Bible says, touch not my anointed. Isn't it amazing that those who always touch the anointed has a problem with that scripture? But those who don't, they don't care when you preach it. They're like, God will never kill. God won't kill somebody. The anointing will. The anointing is not God. The Bible says the Holy Spirit, now the Holy Spirit is God, but the Holy Spirit will turn against you and become your enemy. Say with me, fresh oil. So he says, you have built for yourself a cistern and you have forsaken my fountain of living water. Meaning you created a system to try to cater and carry the presence and the glory. 
But this is a broken system. I have ordained a specific system. I've already ordained, for example, the Ark of the Covenant has to be carried on the shoulders of anointed priests, not on a new cart. The water must be hauled from a fresh fountain. Why did God, why was the Lord so upset with them? Because they wanted to put into reserves what was meant to be coming out daily fresh. So they wanted to put something in reserves for backup, which God has ordained for them to trust Him in to receive daily. So when manna came down from heaven to the children of Israel and fed them for all those 40 years, the Bible says that their clothes grew with them. The manna came from heaven fresh. When they would wake up in the morning, there would be fresh manna. And when the manna was fresh and it was there, they were not allowed to save for the next day. They had to eat it that day and trust in God that the next day fresh manna would come. So when the Lord says to Jeremiah that they have committed two evils, He said, my people don't want to trust in me. When you trust in Him, fresh oil comes. And as we enter, trust me, into a time of famine, people are going to be tempted to hold on. They're going to be tempted to hold on. Even though I said safe, it does not neglect the sowing part. And people will be tempted to hold on and not give into the kingdom still. And that is where it is a, where we are violating the trusting God factor. Go with me to Ecclesiastes 10 verse 1. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 1. Listen to this. Dead flies putrefy the perfumous ointment. Say with me, putrefy. He says the perfumous ointment, which speaking of the anointing. The anointing. So there's something that putrefies the anointing. There's something that makes the anointing putrid. Putrid means once you smell it, or you see it, or you taste it, you want to puke. And it is not that vomit that is just a normal demon vomit. It is like gall coming out of gall, coming out of you. Are you guys with me? You know, you can vomit. And then those who have ever been in the world, which I believe uh, maybe 90% still some year, if you, if you, if you are still um, relating to what I'm saying now, uh, then you are a sinner, okay? You know, you would, in the world, you would, if you've ever had drunk uh, I don't know what it is in, um, in, uh, in, in English. You'd be so drunk, you even go beyond that. Where you can get drunk on a few beers, you can get drunk on, a, on some wine. But then you can get, I remember when we were young, you'd have no concept of what 
alcohol can do to you. And you would be 13 years old, well, I was 13 years old, and you will just drink tequila out of a bottle like that, not knowing what will happen. Or you would drink straw rum like it is just a cool drink. Especially, let me use the straw rum situation. That's not to be willed. I'm not trying to be con. I'm trying to explain a point to you on what the word putrid means and what it means to when the Bible says that, when, that God will vomit us out of His mouth when we are lukewarm. What the word vomit means because it goes beyond just vomit. When you would drink straw rum like it's cool drink and everything is fine 10 minutes later and you think this stuff does nothing. Some have experienced this. And you would drink it again. And then later on you begin to feel a pain in your stomach here. And it feels like everything is twisting in you. It literally, you begin to cry out to God to, to take you right there. And uh, you can't stop that vomit from taking place. That is what it means when it says that God will vomit us out of His mouth. If we are neither cold nor hot, I'd rather wish you be cold or hot, but not lukewarm. And if you are lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth. What is lukewarm? It is somebody that is used to the presence of God. It is somebody that is familiar to His presence. It is somebody that doesn't appreciate His presence anymore. It is somebody that doesn't appreciate His glory anymore. It is somebody that doesn't get excited in the presence of God anymore. It is somebody that says, oh, I've experienced this, I have experienced that. It is somebody that doesn't get excited for the things of God anymore. It is somebody that doesn't respond to burdens out of an excitement with a joy when God is using them or God is using somebody else or souls are getting saved or miracles are being worked or the glory comes into a service. Are you guys with me? And that word when the Bible says that God will vomit us out of His mouth is where you get the word putrid is connected to it because they would have cold water springs and hot water springs. And then they have lukewarm, a city that had lukewarm water. And God says, I'd rather let you be hot or cold. Because the moment you're dwelling by where the water is lukewarm, and I'm not going to teach on that tonight. But he says, then the water would become putrid. It would become sick. And when people would drink of that, they would become sick. Because infections would dwell in lukewarm water. Easier than cold or hot. So God uses that that, um, uh, 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 I don't want to say a, oh, let me say, God uses that example of that to explain where people are at with their hearts with God. Now it says in Ecclesiastes 10 verse 1, dead flies putrefy. Dead flies. What is flies? It speaks of flesh and it speaks of demons. Flesh that is entertaining demons putrefies the anointing and causes it to give off a foul odor. Are you guys with me? And causes it to give off a foul odor. 
Go with me to Psalm 92 verse 10. Say with me fresh oil. So he says the perfumous ointment is no longer fresh. There's a difference between new and fresh. As I said, I can try to think of a new revelation every Sunday and it is not as good as a fresh revelation. I can preach something that might be 20 years old. As long as it is fresh, it will carry the anointing and the presence. If it is not fresh, it now becomes old wineskins. Are you guys with me? Let's go to Psalm 92. Listen to this. But my horn you have exalted like a wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil. Say with me, fresh oil. King David says, my horn you have exalted, meaning you have brought promotion upon my life and you have lifted me amongst the rest higher than everybody else because you have anointed me with fresh oil. Not new oil, not a new anointing, a fresh anointing. He says, this is the signs that I've been anointed with a fresh anointing, that I have been promoted above everyone else. Next verse. My eye also has seen my desire on my enemies. He says, this is what the fresh oil did for me, that I looked upon my enemies and my eye has seen the desires, my desires on my enemies. My ears heard my desires on the wicked who rose up against me. He says, fresh oil will do the following. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. So they like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. A palm tree is going deep into the ground and it is standing tall and high. It's one of your strongest trees. A hurricane can take out a building, yet a palm tree will keep standing. Then he says, he shall grow like a cedar. A cedar in Lebanon was a tree that is as massively strong wood. So he says, number one, you will stand tall like a palm tree, rooted deep into the ground. You will be as strong as a cedar when you receive fresh oil. Are you guys with me? Let's carry on next verse. He says, those who are planted, Timothy planted, in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. He says, listen here, if you want to know how to receive fresh oil, be a person that is saying they are planted in the local church, established in the local church. Being planted means I am rooted there. It is my house. It doesn't matter if a storm comes, if something hits, it's my place where I'm rooted. Are you guys with me? Now, if you take a tree, and I, we bought trees recently, if you take a tree and you transplant it, especially if it is kind of like already grown, and you transplant it from one place to another, from one soil to another, there are chances of the tree to die completely. Or it'll take about two, three or four seasons, sometimes longer, for the tree to begin to be fruitful blossoming. 
Are you guys with me? Because it is taken from one soil to another. Now you have believers. They go from one church to the other, to the other, to the other. And they wonder, but why are they being knocked by winds of doctrine and this and that? And then they believe on this. Because their roots have, that have gone deep has been pulled out. Even many people that have come to our church might have come from another church. And they come here and they are a bit all over the show. No, no, no. You need to stay and get planted. And then you have these that are just moving around. And they think they're going to be used by God. No, you have to now start over and wait a few seasons again. Until you are flourishing. Because you've just been rerouted. Do not think it does not have an effect on your spiritual life. Naturally, things might look normal. Spiritually, it has an effect on a person. It is like a child being taken and going from one home to another. In the spiritual, it is exactly the same. Even worse, in terms of because the spiritual controls the natural. It is first the spiritual, then the natural. Nothing in the natural exists unless it comes first from the spiritual. Nothing in the natural is made from the things of the natural. It's made from the things of the spiritual. Nothing in the realm that is seen is made from the realm that is seen. It is made from the realm that is unseen. So he says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. Say with me, flourish. He says, they will be receiving a fresh anointing. Everything about them will flourish in the courts of our God. Next verse. They shall still bear fruit in their old age. Meaning the moment I see somebody's planted in the house of the Lord, fresh oil is given to them. Longevity is given to them. That in their old age, old. When the Bible speaks about old, it's speaking about two generations, which is twice 40, up to 80 years old. They shall be, say with me, fresh. Doesn't say new. They shall be fresh and flourishing. What does it require? Somebody that is planted in the house of the Lord. Established in the courts of our God. What happens when you're planted like that? Have it says, go with me to Psalm 9. Oh, sorry, Psalm 1. Go with me to Psalm 1. What happens to somebody that is planted like that? They receive flesh oil. They are like a palm tree, of course, like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of God. They'll be fresh and flourishing, bearing fruit in their old age. But listen to this. Psalm number one, verse one. Let's go to verse two. Verse three. Verse two. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Next verse. He shall be like a tree. Say, I shall be like a tree. Planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruits in its season. Listen to this. He says, when you are planted like a tree by the rivers. Now the Bible says when you are planted in the house of the Lord, when fresh oil comes upon you, you will be like a palm tree. So with your palm tree. A palm tree usually is where there's fresh waters close by. Because it needs a lot of water. It carries a lot of water. Are you guys with me? 
a palm tree carries a lot of water, meaning if it is close to the presence, it carries a lot of the presence, but it can only really be flourishing in a place where there's water whose leaves also shall not wither. He says the one that is planted by a river, its leaf shall not wither. You will always see leaves on them. When you look at this believer, when you look at this Christian, they will always look like they are flourishing. Their leaves shall not wither. And whatever, say with you, whatsoever he does shall prosper. What does it require? Somebody planted in the house of the Lord, fresh oil coming upon their lives. Everything they do shall prosper. Everything they touch. Everything they do, not what they think is this the will, is that the will. No, no, no. Every job they are in prospers. Every decision they make prospers. Everything they speak prospers because their roots are deeply founded in the local church.